It's Wednesday, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle, or most of them. Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. Tyler's out today. Got a lot going on. Totally get it. Uh, me and Russ is uh, is who y'all have today. How's it going, Russ? What up? Doing all right. Yeah, Tyler bought a really old house, and and now the house explodes. That's not exactly what he said is happening. But in my <laughs> mind, when you buy a house uh, on your manor that you have that's, um, you know, what, 1970s, you're always fixing things. But the, the bright side of that is, even if that's not the problem at the moment, Tyler probably wishes for more of those problems because he's a dude who likes to just go fix broken things. In fact, he yeah. likes to fix working things. So... <laughs> uh, that's probably right up his alley. I'm sure he's doing just fine. Yep. Um, so I have a uh, I have a thing I missed on Monday. In Monday's Today in Tech History, I totally failed on the fact that uh, Dell Technologies had turned 37. On the Monday. company with which you are employed. <laughs> the company with which I am employed. Uh, <laughs> it was it was its birthday. Uh, it had started well, happy 37 birthday. years prior. Yeah. Yeah. 37 year old Dell. Yeah, That's older than me. Uh, Michael had actually tweeted about that that morning, and I had liked it, and then totally forgot about it. Let me see. Man, that's a what huge miss. Said. Yeah, that's a yeah, big one. Yeah. yeah, but he said, um, "Oh, let's see here. Let's edit this down. There it is. Happy birthday." This is on Monday. 37 years ago today in 1984, Dell Tech was founded. This happened. 800 plus million PCs, 37 plus million servers, 160 plus million terabytes of storage. Like these numbers just don't even feel real, you know? 32,000 <laughs> plus patents issued and applied, 1.35 plus trillion in revenue, and a whole lot of human progress. So grateful to all who helped us. I would like him to add in there how many dollars were moved around during the different financial transactions of Dell from public to private to acquisition <laughs> to public again to selling. That would be an interesting number to see as well, because of those of you who don't know, Mr. Dell and his friends have had some incredible just financial engineering over the last, I'll just say, decade that I assume will be studied in finance classes across the country. So it's just yeah. good for them sort of thing. Sometimes you got to do things a different way to one of the biggest ones I remember is, um, I guess, when they went private, being able to not have to report to the street every quarter, it gave you a longer term vision. It gave you the ability to do things um, that you couldn't normally do while having to produce numbers quarterly. You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. You for sure. Refocus I, we're and, we're and, a private company. So yeah, uh, exactly. I recognize the, the, the distinct benefits of being able to just make changes whenever you want uh, within right. the organization. So yeah, exactly. It is definitely nice. Give you some power. So, um, okay. Today in tech history... Um, Let's see. Gosh, there's some weird ones in here that I don't mm. even know what I want to get into. But uh, um, let's see. Well, there's the I Love You virus. Do you remember that one? Uh, I cannot say that I do. What so is May the May 4th, I Love you virus? 2000. In the year 2000. Uh, the Love Letter computer virus, a.k.a. the I Love You bug, spreads to personal computers running Windows around the world in just six hours. It's incredible. Wow. Spreading through email, the virus entices victims to open the message with the subject of, I love you, 
about two and a half to three million PCs will become infected. The cost of system downtime is later estimated $8.7 billion. It's thought Just to be goes the to fastest, show you how the much fastest moving and most love. widespread virus in history. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Would you say it goes to show you how much we need love? <laughs> yeah. I, well, yeah. two things. One, in the year 2000, we were even less educated at that time around what to click on and what to not click on. Yeah. Inside of emails. Uh, so yeah, the answer is don't click on anything ever. Yeah. I just don't use email. That's um, right. That's you know, right just, just, don't, just don't open your email and, uh, and you're probably fine. Uh, but that is, that's pretty nuts. Uh, it, the cost of system downtime later estimated at $8.7 billion. That's yeah. Anytime there's a B there, it's a, it's a pretty serious problem, especially if it happens in six hours. That's nuts. Yeah. Pretty crazy stuff. All right. And the Let's... title of it's awesome. It says love stinks. Yeah. Ah, well done. Well done, yeah. this day in tech history guy, who's always late on updating this day in tech history for this podcast, which we know is <laughs> your number one priority. Okay, uh, let's get into some tech news. What you got, man? Tech news, tech news. About? So I, I want to start more today. I feel like I Monday. Think... Sorry, I feel like Monday was just like everywhere I looked. The number one thing was Air Tags and being able to put a key ring through it. I'm like, shut it down. We don't even talk about tech shut today. it shut it down <laughs> this is ridiculous. well i think we are going to have at least in the near term although i think this will go on for a while i think we're going to have a lot of things spilling out from this epic versus apple thing yeah and i say that because i don't know if epic's gonna have any friends after this i mean maybe apple won't either <laughs> but i say that because epic and, and i recognize they sort of have to do some of this it is a trial they have to present evidence but there's a lot of dirty laundry being aired. I think I sent, yeah. or maybe you sent an the article one? about, yeah, about Sony. Go, you, what, what was it? Do you remember the? Yeah, there was some Sony court documents, or there, there were some things that they had that ended up getting released as court documents. I guess there was some communication between Sony and their lawyers about cross-platform play and their opinions on what they would require from from Epic and all this kind of stuff, right? To, to be able to move to PC. And uh, apparently they went to great lengths to have these things not not released. So, And yeah. so what's, what's interesting about that uh, is there's this, and PlayStation is <clears throat> being blasted for this. And it's, it's important to note that cross-platform play basically means PlayStation, Xbox, PC, Nintendo, Switch, whatever, can all play together. Just like Fortnite can play on any platform, phone to console to PC, you can play Fortnite on it. Yeah, unless, which is huge. It's, that's a big thing for a game. That's a very big thing. And it's something that should have been done a very long time ago. And yeah. the uh, Sony has been long a staunch defender of the exclusivity of PlayStation. Mm -hmm. Just very, very, very very long in this yeah. regard it's kind of part of their advertisement it, it is but another this, this part of only their on playstation feel you know for sure another part of their advertisement is for the players which you know you could argue for the players you want to do something for the players allow them to play with their friends on xbox on a game that's free yeah. on your platform that is on other ones as well not telling you to share your exclusive games with other platforms but why can't someone play on the same server it's it's yeah. a little ridiculous so they they show some uh you know 
some emails going back and forth. And one of them is, and look, there's every business probably has emails like this, but the reality is, is that like, it, it's very much so not for the players. It even states distinctly in the email uh, from one, I think it's from a lawyer at Sony back to Epic that says, you know, I have yet to see, or there's been tons of manufacturers or game developers who have asked us to be able to do crossplay. yet none has, none of them have been able to come up with a compelling reason as to why this helps Sony's business model. And unless you can do that, I don't see any reason as to why we, we can move forward yeah. with this, which Other than it's the I'm right thing for the customers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which, which I believe <laughs> candidly that that ultimately ended up being Tim was like, okay, well, what if we respond with, we'll just pay you a lot of money which is yeah. ultimately what they did. So it, basically what came from this is Sony is not did not give in or become the good guy in the situation, which a lot of people, I'm telling you, when Fortnite was pushing for cross-platform, there yeah. was a point in time where you could do cross-platform on literally everything except for PlayStation. Yeah, Like Microsoft and Nintendo, two competitors in the space, released ads together. Like they were in the ads together showing wow. them playing Fortnite. And this was not a Fortnite ad, by the way. This was yeah, a yeah. Microsoft and Nintendo ad yeah. basically taking pot shots at Sony. Yeah. And so everyone assumed that they just sort of caved to the pressure. They did not. They get very large amounts of money from Fortnite, which makes $400 million a month. So what? Yeah. It, it's oh a, it's a V-Bucks? insanely. Yes. 400 million a month. That's that was the number that I saw. That's insane. Ago, yeah. So Microsoft has a bit of an advantage there, though, with owning a, a PC operating system and a platform, a gaming platform. True, um, yeah. but Microsoft also doesn't really necessarily directly make money off of any of that, any of the gaming ecosystem. I mean, they 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 are a huge gaming platform, which they make money off of just Windows being that, but they're not taking yeah. cuts of anything, or of they're Steam not selling or it. Yeah. yeah, that's Where, a good point. Strong point. What's what's even interesting about that, more interesting about that, I suppose, is that Microsoft's strategy is very much so not about selling Microsoft hardware anymore in any way, shape, or form. Like they just want to sell you Game Pass subscriptions and you can use them on PC, you can stream them to your phone, or you can play them on Xbox. Yeah, it's like, the fastest that's way what they to want the to do. Hundred percent. Fastest way. Virtual buying virtual things, virtual currency, all that kind of stuff. No, 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 not oh. virtual currency. Like they want you to do Game Pass, which is like Netflix for games. Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. You, that yeah. you can then use That's on right. any game device, Pass. just like game you can Pass. use Netflix yeah. on any device. But it's and Game so, Pass, and then once you're in the game, then then it's a then it's a then there's a freemium model, or not freemium. It'd be then premium to get, like if you're going to buy skins and all that kind of stuff. So yes, or that is I, true of yeah. Fortnite. I guess the point that I'm making though is that Microsoft's business model is not about explicitly selling Microsoft hardware. So forget the games for a moment. It's about accessibility. So they give you a subscription to a bunch of games and then you can play them on your PC or on, you know, your Xbox or stream them to your phone. The, whereas Sony very much so is trying to sell PlayStation fives, right? I'm not saying one is right or wrong. I'm just pointing out that which they did very well. They, oh, they, they did absolutely well. did. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And so uh, it's just interesting to see this. But we're seeing a bunch of stuff like this come out, not just the PlayStation 1 that really makes them look 
uh, a little scummy, which I'm, I'm never going to fault anyone for for trying to make money. I just uh, have always struggled with the lack of cross-platform play. I believe people buy PlayStation for two reasons. One of them is brand loyalty, and the other one is because they want exclusive games. I do not believe people are not going to buy a PlayStation based on cross-platform play for Fortnite. However, I could see someone not buying a PlayStation because they can't play Fortnite with their friends like for instance if you couldn't play fortnite cross-platform my nephew wouldn't want one yeah for sure so uh that's how i would have that's the case i would have made towards their business model but you know i guess no one cross-platform and social gaming is the only thing i see my kids want to do when it comes to gaming or hear any other kids wanting to do right whether it's the the switch or playing um you know minecraft on some sort of you know gaming pad or whatever um because yep. you can do it on uh the, the fire tablets you can do it on ipads all that kind of stuff uh or when you get in the oculus ecosystem all they want to do is go interact with other humans the other day my oldest daughter's friend was over um and they were on the we have an oculus one and a two and they were each on them and they went to find the same social place in rec room. And then they said, let's see if we can give each other a virtual hug. Now they're standing like 10 feet apart in the same physical room, <laughs> but they want to be in a virtual room doing virtual things together and giving each other virtual hugs. <laughs> uh, that actually gives me a significant amount of hope for our younger generation because they have things aligned correctly, in my opinion. Yeah, they're in, a, they're in my living room, but they go to a donut shop in this virtual world. That's what I'm talking and then about. Playing with the donuts, and one of them's behind the counter, and then one of them takes a ping pong uh, paddle and smacks the coffee pot off the countertop, and they're just <laughs> giggling and having fun. It's hilarious. Ready, uh, Ready Player One. It was a documentary of the future. That's right. Um, but it, I mean, there's uh, you know, Epic pushed Xbox Chief to open free multiplayer just ahead of Apple Fortnite Battle. So like, they there's just a lot of things. I mean, and there's a lot more. By the way, we could do like ten shows in a row just off of the email, the leaked emails of stuff coming out in here. Walmart had a streaming service that was going to release. That what? was released. Yeah, that was leaked in these documents as well. And apparently, it worked fairly well. Uh, I don't know if a lot service? of people know this, but Walmart's a pretty strong technology company. Um, but it was like a game streaming yeah, service, like they are actually, like uh, Stadia and you know whatever wow. the in GeForce Now or whatever that, yeah, that yeah. one's called. Okay, so like they, there's just a lot of stuff <laughs> that's incredibly interesting that is indirectly related to the trial because Epic is throwing literally every single thing they have at it to help. Probably, I'm assuming to help frame the market in a certain way. Yeah. Uh, and that's why they're using all of this stuff. But it is, it is revealing so many things because these documents are available. So it's just crazy to, to see everything that's coming out already within the first... What, this started on Monday, so it's two days into this. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens moving forward. I did see an opinion piece from someone at The Economist yesterday. I actually didn't read the whole thing. I did save it to read it later. It was very long. And it basically stated that there's a high likelihood Apple wins the court case, but that two things. One it will probably end up being some form of a nail in the coffin from a regulatory perspective, meaning that they are being, Apple's being hit 
from a bunch of different angles right now in the EU and the US. And even if they win a bunch of court cases, they think that a lot of what will come out in these court cases will lead to further regulations against them. Yeah. So so it's an, it's an interesting it's an interesting place for Apple to be in where it's like what do we share to win our court case but hold back to prevent some form of further regulation yeah. against us sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, cuz they've got those other things going uh, on too. Yeah. Yeah, and it looks Monopoly like they're stuff. really under the gun in the EU. In, in, yeah, in Europe. Europe is a place where they are they're not messing around with Apple at all. And basically they just don't agree with anything that is that is Apple right now as far as their business practices goes, which a lot of it kind of comes down to they're really big and they're really successful. But in the EU, it seems like that's enough to get things rolling. And once some details come out, they will um, they will put the hammer down. So it's very, very th- interesting. Do you think there's an aspect of that that Apple is not a company that is headquartered in Europe? Do you think there's any aspect to that? I don't know. I mean, wasn't the first big GDPR thing an actual European company and not like an American company that operated mm-hmm. in Europe? Um, I, I mean, I, I feel point. like I feel like they're really. I think they're. I don't think they discriminate when it comes to business. I think yeah. that they're very, very stringent on, or at least recently. I I don't know okay. the history, but ever since GDPR, I've paid some closer attention. So I don't know that I'd say it's because they're an American company or 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 not based in Europe. Rather, yeah, that is why they're doing that. Uh, I think I th- really no, I don't think say why. I'm just saying like a small a small percentage of it. You know, I don't know. Anyway, whatever. Maybe I I just I don't I, like if Apple was a I don't know, a French company, for instance, I don't think they'd be treated any different. I think it's more of an element of okay. get really, really big and make it, yeah. and, and, and it becomes, I think once a company becomes so big that it then becomes very, very difficult for other people to do well in a space, even if there isn't any form of anti-competitive behavior going on or whatever it might be, if, if there's only one option to really fundamentally be able to do something and sue that company, I believe there's going to be scrutiny just based off of that in general. And I think we're kind of seeing that on both sides. Yeah. But I think that that's kind of the premise here. It's my own personal thought. Okay, cool. Um, I have this other one in here, or you put this other one in here that I wanted to talk with you about. Uh, a bill in New York aims to halt Bitcoin mining for three years until its yep. environmental impact can be assessed. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. How? How? How can you say? How can you pass a? How, mm, sorry. How can you say that no one that you can't allow someone to configure their computing resources to run a particular calculation? That seems like a very slippery slope. It, if you're going to say does. no Bitcoin, then it can't be this. Then it can't be that. Oh, you can't be doing this. Oh, what if we do? You know. I think the question comes to to enforcement, but for a large portion of the population, I think you throw out this idea of this is illegal and maybe, maybe a bunch of them stop. Although I would, I would argue, and maybe I'm wrong on this. I would argue that Bitcoin miners fall into a very niche group who probably understand it would be very difficult to enforce such a thing. But you know, there's also another article in here that we can go into after this. It talks about how law enforcement can pull a bunch of data off your car. And so, 
you know, there's just, I don't yeah. know that maybe there's stuff that I don't know that says we will isolate the power grid to state that this apartment in this building is pulling way more power than you would think you should be able to do with normal electronics. And then they raid them and take all their Bitcoin. I don't know. Maybe, maybe <laughs> that's the thing. Take all that their they Bitcoin. Do. Oh my God. Yeah. They, they take them, they make them go to one of those Bitcoin vending machine things that's in a Seven Eleven, and they're like, take out all of your Bitcoin and give it to us. Yeah. Just it just seems a, so the bill will specifically look into the greenhouse gas emissions caused by Bitcoin mining, including its effect on water, air and wildlife. So we're going to spend money to go and do research on this for three years in that state. Anyway, uh, the assessment will produce a report which will then be issued to the public and will be subject to a 120 day public comment period. Cryptocurrency mining centers are an expanding industry in the state of New York, often but not exclusively located in retired or converted fossil fuel power stations, including dormant peaker plants. The bill. Said. How are they going to research this if they can't mine Bitcoin? <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> like, do the rules just not apply to the researchers, or uh, like what's? What's Dude, you figured it out. Here. They want to shut everyone down so that way the state that's, can that's then do all is. the mining for that's three right. years. For three years. They want three <laughs> years of mining operation. Give us all of your gear. We'll give it back in three years. Completely <sighs> trash. And uh, that's that's what they're going to do. That's yeah, I, I think that that I, I struggle with it as well. Uh, the, you know, in some areas, like, say, in China, where that you remember we talked about that city that was responsible for 8% of Bitcoin yeah. generation and well, the US is... is responsible for 7%. Yeah. Did you did you hear that they the government gave them 48 hours to get out of the city with their operation? <laughs> 48 hours. They were they were given 2 days to to move everything or something. So it was some ridiculous well, this amount is... of time. It may have been even 2 months, but in yeah. either either way, it's an unreal amount of time to move what I saw just looked like the amount of GPU compute that I saw looked like it dwarfed a Google data center. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it was insane. So that's where, man, this is kind of what I was trying to get into with uh, the reg the European regulations on Apple and all this kind of fun stuff. But many months ago, we talked about some of the regulations for the U S government on U like sanctions and, you know, monopoly moves and all this kind of stuff on U S companies. And there, I was just reading a ton of documents and people were complaining about how we are artificially limiting our capabilities as a nation by doing that, especially when you have other nations like China who don't do these things and then continue to you know pull ahead, push ahead, whatever. And then you have situations like this where New York wants to ban Bitcoin mining so they can study it for three years. I can't even say that without laughing. <laughs> like, yeah, to your point I mean, there. But yeah, whatever. Well, whatever. there's there's more. So I guess we, we we probably, if we want to talk about that, I think we have to boil it down a little bit more because I've been thinking about this a lot. Thanks, Bunks, and your AI and 800 pages of AI crap. Can we just study it <laughs> instead of banning it and then studying it? I don't know. Well, let's talk about some of the things that China does do. Like they do look at anti-competitive behavior. They define it differently because like in China, it's you're copying someone is like not just expected. okay, it's an expected behavior. Yeah. Um, but they, like I think Jack Ma and one other large billionaire in China just got 
severely fined for anti-competitive behavior and forced to stop working in some way, shape, or form in some aspect of their business. I don't know the specifics, but like, there's two different cases where the Chinese government laid a hammer down hard on their own local businesses. They also, I'd love to basically, dig into that. I'd love to know yeah, why, because I have. It, it sounds very advice. similar to to Apple, Google, Facebook. Yeah, like very, very similar. But it's you know, there's more to it. I, I maybe just Google sure. Jack Ma um, loses lots of money, still rich, uh, sort of thing. But and then they also, you know, maybe they're not banning Bitcoin, but they did look at one of their, you know, huge Bitcoin operations and said, shut it down or get out or whatever it is, because you're not hitting the regulations, the environmental regulation requirements that that we've set forth, you know, in, in sure. our country. So they're doing some of that while at the same time, they do a lot of things very different that I think direct directly affect what you just described. And the, the best example that I can use, it, I think it came, it either came from a podcast I was listening to or a book that the guy who was on the podcast wrote, one, one of the two. And uh, it was talking about how the, for 5G, like the spectrum necessary to be able to run 5G. In, you know, in the U.S., the the government auctioned off that spectrum to you know the the big carriers, whatever Verizon, AT and T, et cetera, for like ninety billion dollars, and so it put them into like all of our major carriers into some serious debt in order to take on that spectrum. And in China, that spectrum was given to the carriers, but then you know, they were given specific goals that they had to hit within, mm. you know, a certain amount of time as it related to deployment of gear and getting it up and running and whatever else. So very, very key in AI sort of development and uh, sort of acceleration is going to be 5G, access sure. to data, distribution of said data, distribution of access, et cetera. And we took the approach of, sell this to the companies and put them in debt so they can't make investments to actually further 5G. China took the approach of give you this and then give you goals as to how to make it successful. Hmm. So very distinctly different approaches to the way that we, you know, even just talking about interactions between the government and private entities uh, or public ones, whatever it might be, that, that, you, that, that we have that are very different. That's an inhibitor to our ability to compete at a global yeah. scale is the way we manage stuff like that yeah. versus, you know, making sure that businesses are doing things appropriately, which even China appears on the outside looking in as though they do to some degree. They just, they're very comfortable if someone hasn't, they don't believe in intellectual property is, is really what it seems to be. That, that's their biggest, um, I think, from an American perspective, strange thing as it relates to businesses. It's just listening to these stories about how, the Silicon Valley of China is literally the toughest place on earth to work because your idea is not safe. The moment you launch it, you need to assume you have five people who will copy your idea down to the exact layout of the format or of the website or, or app or whatever, and just change one of the colors on it. And like, sure. that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so just to make crazy. it a different thing, not because they have to, but just to make it look different. Yeah. You know, just whatever. to make it a different thing. It's absolutely crazy. So, Facebook, is that you? The king of copying features. <sighs> anyway, hey, um, got him. Let's get back to uh, a little bit of crypto here. Dogecoin, crypto. 
price surged roughly 40% on Tuesday. And it Went shut up 40%. down Robinhood. Oh, yeah. And it shut down Robinhood. <laughs> it hit a market cap of $70 billion, up uh, over 11,000% year to date, making it the fourth largest cryptocurrency now. Well, it should be because, I mean, if you look at crypto, you have to look at its practical use case in the world to determine that it's the thing that's going to be successful. And Doge is super meme and memes are very super important meme-y. to human existence. I don't know. So it let me, makes let me, no sense. It shouldn't be doing what it's doing. Yeah, I'll read you two tweets from the uh, Winklevoss twins here. Uh, oh, good. First one here is from Tyler Winklevoss. Uh, Dogecoin is the people's money. It's organic, irreverent, <laughs> and fun. Gemini, which they own, now supports Doge. Deposits are oh, open, gosh. trading to follow shortly. And then Cameron, his brother, twin, uh, Dogecoin is the funnest and friendliest crypto in the observable universe. Yes, it's a meme coin, but all money is a meme, he says. Oh, <laughs> snap. We're making bold claims today. All money is a meme. BDPs, Woof. baby. <laughs> I'm not going to say what BDP stands for. Um, you can You can Google that in your spare time. Yeah. So here's another funny one. This is from Tracy Alloway. I wish I could hear the internal conversations on Wall Street about how to credibly offer Doge exposure to clients. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my Uh, gosh. This is, this is what, this is when Fisher investments. I got to go retweet. I hear that's uh, hilarious that I hear advertised on ESPN all the time, or not ESPN, but like the local sports station all the time is like, we do better when you do better. They're sitting there thinking to themselves, like, is this, is, is can we, is this, does this go in our high risk portfolio or what do we do here? It just, it sounds like a bunch of guys who really don't know anything about Bitcoin, but they're probably looking at this. Doge looks pretty good. It's gone up 40% in the last day. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Let's do that. Yeah. And then it crashed Robinhood. Which so I saw some funny memes on that too. It's like every time Doge hits a new high, and then it was this uh, screenshot of somebody like in a command center holding a power cord that was unplugged from the wall, and it's like inside the Robinhood data center. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Oh, that's good stuff. That's good. I like it. I'm a fan. Although yeah. I had to I go back. Doge. But you do I'm have still it? a fan. Of, I don't. But okay, I'm yeah, still, neither do I. I was going to say you do. It. I had to go back to our conversation on January sixth, where I was talking with you all about it, and I went back not. and I pulled the uh, I pulled the conversation thread from us on Telegram, and sent screenshots. And I actually called out in this in my screenshots here that I was going to take a screenshot. And uh, yeah, it's hilarious. What I'm not if call what if I out, told you he, that yeah. right after I told you it's ridiculous and it's meme. That you then uh, went and I, bought I went and bought like and you had like three million dollars worth. <laughs> I'd be knocking on your front door. <laughs> I I I I'd, I'd throw you a bill. Oh, that's hilarious! I'm just waiting for I'm waiting for like one of our friends on Twitter or something or just in the tech community to just kind of disappear and be like, <laughs> "Where'd so and so go?" Right? <laughs> and then, They're like, a someone... Doge millionaire. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Retired on Doge. That's funny. Oh goodness okay all right what else we got here man what else we want to talk about well let's see uh oh there was a really interesting one it was a study studies Mm -hmm. are interesting they come with percentages i'm a big fan of percentages it likes to show influence in a particular segment and uh what percentage 
of consumers do you think would switch to municipal broadband if made available? If you can Sorry. recover. I was reading a different thing that you put in there about Steve Jobs and feces book. Sorry, I lost. You want to touch on that real quick? No, I don't know. I'm sorry. No, we can come back to your thing. Oh, that was hilarious. Uh, What about municipal broadband? (laughs) Yeah, no, you guys got to see our our one note one one day and the titles of some of these articles that we don't always make it to is ridiculous. Um, so. There's a fairly high percentage of consumers that if municipal broadband was made available, would switch to it. What do you think that percentage is? Um, so what's what's the advantage of municipal broadband? What's the difference? Uh, I guess because well, they so just want to get I away don't from actually. So I ha- I don't know that from the article, but I will say in a different article that I want to say I read two three weeks ago, there was a push for broadband companies to make fifteen dollar internet available. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of them are, as well. Yeah, and I think I think, I think they're suing. I think the companies are suing New York for that. I I I believe that municipal provided broadband would be to you know attack that type of market, uh, a lower cost internet gotcha. market. Okay, well then I'll give you a percentage. Um, so back in my SE days, my two go to answers were always it depends, and roughly thirty percent. So since this is a percent question, I'm going to say roughly thirty percent. Pretty close, forty point two percent. Which, if uh, if my math serves me correctly, and uh, since Tyler is not here, uh, I think that makes me the de facto math guy. That's just over half. So (laughs) that's uh, that's pretty strong. Wait, did you say forty percent is just over half? Yeah, which let's be honest is better math than we've heard Tyler do on this show (laughs) in the past when it came to (laughs) songs and beat saber under half. (laughs) No, it's just over, just over half. (laughs) Okay. If All you right. start from the top and work down, that's just yeah. Over then it's half. just past halfway. There you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Depends if you're going B to A or A to B. Yeah. All dude. right. So you don't I, know I where I started. I'm... Don't assume my starting position. All right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. It's 2021. So okay. it's a lot of people though that would that would roll with that. And that was uh, over a thousand people, literally just over 1,008 U.S. Okay. residents that were surveyed. Yeah, so cities providing internet service for their residents as a utility. Um, I mean, I think that's something that we've talked about a lot, and it feels like maybe that's the right thing to pull. I don't know. I've just I'm not saying that you get great service from cities, but that's that's where I I'm concerned man. about it. It's you know, is the local government going to be able to provide a good internet service? I mean, it once again, it's I don't it doesn't negate other yeah. service providers from being there. I think if the number one thing a, that we have to get to is get yeah. to regular competition in most, if not all areas. I, I think that there are yeah. some issues, obviously in some very rural, rural, gosh, it's hard word parts of the, the country. <laughs> it's to, like 30 rock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what is it? Rural juror, R- rural juror, juror. <laughs> anyway, God, that's tough. Yeah. The, um, there are obviously difficulties in, in getting stuff to different places. I just, I do believe it's imperative that we, we get our broadband into a better spot. And I think yeah. that if we're going to let the market dictate it, we have to open up the lanes of competition better than we have before. And if opening up utility access is the way to do it, which is what I think we tried in 2015, 16 mm-hmm. timeframe. Uh, which you know sort of ultimately failed. I mean, here's here's kind of my biggest thing with this whole conversation. Google 
tried to push into the internet market and found it to be too difficult, difficult for yeah. them to be able to make that work because of not because they couldn't fund it or because Google kills things, but because they physically couldn't get access yeah. to what they needed to be able to do it. That's and concerning. that's a problem. Yeah, in my opinion. that is a problem. That's a problem. There's two things I care about. There is connectivity for everyone, right? Yep. Um, with especially you know, you kids of, for school. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, trying to get educated and all this kind of stuff. Um, you think about access to water. Uh, you think about access to internet, right? Just to be able to connect and learn and grow and have opportunities and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I would love to see competition. I, I mean, for years and years and years and years, everywhere you move, you essentially have one option, and it's so frustrating. That's the it. fact that I have two different gig options where I live. That's insane. Is unreal. I yeah. mean, it's just a, and I will tell you, this is, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure someone somewhere thinks of this as well, but like I thought of, like I did not buy this house or, or sign to build this house until I checked to see what internet was available. I do it. <laughs> yeah. I've done it every single place that I have moved yep. since probably 2000 nine or 10. Yeah. I have checked to see what internet was available before I made my decision as to whether or not I was going to move there, which most people definitely don't do. But I do believe that it's, it's something that if you found a way to advertise it, you could actually, you know, get pe more people to move to prosper. We have two internet providers move to sure. prosper or whatever it might be, you know? So yeah. just, uh, it's just crazy that that is such a rarity here to have not just two different providers, but the fact that I have two that can provide, you know, a gig service. Yeah, that's how um, speed. Both of which, yeah. by the way, at a gig offer unlimited no cap data. Mm, it, no interesting cap. that that they have caps in other areas of the country, but for some reason in Prosper, there's not a cap on the gig speed. So, just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Uh, new emails show Steve Jobs referred to Facebook as. PC book amid <laughs> app store conflict. Get lost wrecked. It. That seems so childish and that so was, hilarious. That was the thing, by the way, that almost made Bewley fall out of his chair mid reading of the previous article. That was the uh, yeah, because I was looking for was like headline. you know facts and all this kind of stuff, and then it was like something a five year old would say. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Oh yeah, no, it's it it just goes to show how much so many of these Silicon Valley's companies who who work together very distinctly hate each other uh, yeah. for for one reason or another. And you know, Steve Jobs was a relentless competitor, right? So I think mm -hmm. that we sort of we know that about him. So anyone who wanted to do anything that wasn't in his favor, he certainly wasn't going to be a fan of. And Facebook seems to do nothing that's in other people's favor, other than, you know, maybe people won't use your platform if you don't have Facebook. Yeah. So here's another one, um, Belgian cyber attack. So this is yesterday. Uh, Belgium was hit with a sweeping cyber attack yesterday, leaving its parliament, government agencies, universities, and other organizations without internet service for hours. Yeah, knocked out both websites and internal systems, including the country's coronavirus vaccine registration portal. They targeted the government's service provider with a DDoS, which I think most of our listeners are familiar with. Uh, but if you aren't, it's just basically a strategy that overwhelms the networks with massive amounts of artificial traffic and it shuts it down. <clears throat> so, Man. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. 
And so the whole point here, and the incident highlights the growing ability of cyber criminals, either independent or state affiliated to strike unprepared governments and companies. So some estimates say cyber attacks will cost the global economy $6 trillion in losses in 2021. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. When you think about government conflict or like nation state conflicts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You wonder yeah. how much more of it is just bringing a nation's communication system down. Right. You know? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's where a big, I mean, a lot of that comes into the AI discussion with China is with more and more stuff that we have built to, you know, be ran by things that are in the connected world. How do we secure them? How do we make sure they're safe? How do we prevent things like this from happening? Mm -hmm. And AI ML is uh, quantum computing is, is also another part that's being driven into this a lot is like a lot of it's being built to have supremacy over who can, who can control stuff like that. So that's a big, big piece of it. It's maybe even more important uh, in being able to secure your online purchases whenever you buy a movie from Amazon. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it looks like Amazon is being sued um, for saying that you have bought movies that it can take away from you. Meaning when you buy from Amazon Prime, yeah. I, I don't know mm -hmm. if you do this or not. Like I yeah, bought we've, last we've night. bought a few movies on Amazon Prime. I bought U571 last night because hey, I wanted to watch it at 11 o'clock for some reason. Is that, is that Sean Connery? No, that no. one's Red, Hunt, Hunt for Red, Red October. Yeah, Hunt which, for Red October. Which I, I watched Hunt for the Red October like the couple days before, which is what led me now to buying U571. So that's, yeah. that's how we got here. Oh, that's uh, right. Uh, U571, John Bon Jovi, Matthew McConaughey, Bill Paxton. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's well, what's what's interesting what here is the overarching conversation. And with this is something I've, I don't know, I've been involved in these conversations before. I don't give it a significant amount of thought, but it's uh, people always talk about this idea of ownership when it comes to like media and assets and whatever else. And what I can tell you is, is that pretty much no company that publishes any form of media will ever say that you own anything, like nothing. So people talk about this mostly with digital stuff. It's like, well, you yeah. don't you don't own that because you don't have a physical copy of it. But there's even arguments that have happened. Like, for instance, copyright companies claim that buying a DVD doesn't mean you own anything, but you have merely purchased access to be able to yeah, leverage that that's content right. Access and that it can be right revoked. Yeah. yeah. So that's with a DVD. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> when, when we went through all these DR, uh, DRMA conversations, but yeah, I spend more on on music every month now than I have ever in my life, and I don't own any music. Yeah, I just own access to libraries of music, which people would even access. argue. I, I pay for access. To in some respects, they would say you never did. Um, at least once copyright yeah. got you know to the point that it is today. But yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, you know, the streaming service. They say you know, well, when I found a lot of MP3s on my PC once. Um, yeah. You found you know, then I actually time. felt like I had music. Right. I don't know where they came from or who put them there, but yeah, that was that. Was, I, I there was a few times where I found things like that as well, but I don't. I have no idea how they got there. But yeah, I don't have. I don't. I mean, there's no need to even have that anymore. You pay five bucks a month, six bu bucks a month, or whatever. It, it's it's just such an interesting thing to me because uh, the fact that they're being sued over this, uh, which I suspect the person suing them will lose, uh, if I'm honest. Uh, but they're, they're, they're calling this, uh, 
there's a term that TechDirt has coined called Schrodinger's download. (laughs) And that many copyright holders and retailers would like the very same thing to be a sale some of the time and a license some of the time is basically the idea. But you don't know which is true (laughs) until, you know, someone sues you, I guess. But yeah. that's that's what they're calling Schrodinger's download, which I thought was clever. That is kind of clever. That's yeah. funny. Okay. Um, what else? What else? What else? We got to get out of here, though. Actually, I have yeah. a call in six minutes. I got to go get ready for. I don't think anything, anything else you need else to uh... overly interesting. Uh, that's this left here. Other than it looks like uh, some people on Wall Street bets uh, had people target them for basically trying to steal Binance coins worth $2 million through Telegram. So okay, uh, I imagine this comes down to also not clicking on things that you shouldn't click on. So yes. we started the show with a virus that's you know called I love you and spread around the world very quickly. Well, don't click on things from Aaron Bewley sent to you in Telegram is basically what it comes down to because they could be trying to steal your doge. Um, that's what happened to these people on Wall Street Bets. Clicking on some stuff in Telegram and uh, Binance coins worth $2 million were taken. So, well, how does that happen? Like you get an, I mean, we use Telegram all the time. Do they get a random solicitation that pops up in Telegram and then they just click the link? It uh, I mean, Take me through so, that. That's so what, what happened is, is a Telegram account that seemed to be linked to Reddit's Wall Street Bets uh, offered a Wall Street's Bets token to users. And so people who are big Wall Street bets people or more likely people who started using it in the last like two or three weeks or months uh, probably saw this. Got like, Ooh, this is yeah. a super secret Wall Street bets thing that I'm now a part of because I'm part of Wall Street bets. I lived this life and then they clicked it and then this happened. So, yeah, don't right. do this it, stuff. Y'all listen to us. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> yeah. come here before you do anything. Just listen to what we have. Yeah, to just say. come come on the show. Tell us about the thing that you're going to do, and then we will just assess between the three of us if we think it's the right thing for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to think of a what was a segment there where we can uh, take questions and give advice unsolicited, non non professional. Yeah, I mean, we'll it, it we'll, we'll call it we'll call it. Don't do this. <laughs> don't do this. Don't be dumb. What was the um? What was the one that Kieran said? He wanted like a top 10 from you, like the the Russ Roundup or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to try that one day. I don't I don't know what the specifics there are, um, yeah. but we'll have to try something like that That's in the future. Funny. All right, man. Well, uh, I got to get to some calls. I know you have a ton ahead of you for the day as well. Uh, I'm going to try to take a hour break um, here in a little while and go take my mom out for Mother's Day before she leaves town to go hang out with my sister. Um. Yeah. Cool. Y'all have well, a good day. On that, let's shut it down, and that'll do it for another episode of the Tech Breakfast Podcast. One minus Tyler, because he's you know building things in his house or fixing them in his house. Once again, he didn't say that. I just in my mind, that's what he's always. He's doing. a Renaissance man. He is. He is indeed. Uh, he lived outside in two degree weather for like four days and was. <laughs> and talked about jumping by... into his ice covered pool. It's <laughs> like, bro, you're gonna die. He's like, no, I'll do it in a banana hammock. And I'm like. Okay, make sure you get it on video. <laughs> yeah, make sure you get that on video, the thing that's going to kill you. And if you Don't want more stories like that. that to share with your family, share this podcast with them. Like, subscribe. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you all next time. Later. Adios.